0: It is your daily
1: 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 20th of June, 2023. Later, why the Australian share market hit a two-month high despite the ongoing threat of rising interest rates. But first to a snapshot of the ASX. And according to the Australian Securities Exchange, it says a record 10.2 million Australian adults have direct share market exposure. The pandemic attributed or attracted 1.2 million Australians Australians to shares, and 22% of those that started investing since 2020 were younger, aged between 18 and 24. For more, Rainer Bosch spoke with Andrew Campion, the General Manager of Investment Products and Strategy at ASX.
2: Yeah, probably the most uh, pleasing result is just the number of new investors. Since the last time we did the study in 2020, we've had 1.2 million uh, new investors uh, entering, entering the market. And even probably more pleasing than that number is, is how many of those uh, are female investors. Right on 50% or 600,000 of those new investors are actually female investors. So that's a great uh, trend to see.
3: Now, the pandemic saw a lot of people redirecting their extra savings towards investments. What are you seeing now that that trend has kind of come to an end and we're in the midst of a tougher economic environment?
2: Well, the key is that investors should really have a long-term view or a long-term um, horizon when it comes to investing. It's almost impossible to to time the market when the right point is to enter uh, enter and exit. There's even an old saying: you know, it's it's time in the market rather than timing the market. So there will be volatility. Markets do go up and down. They are very sensitive to economic news and other developments. So the main thing is pe- investors, particularly new investors, should have a, a, a time horizon of at least five or ten years for the, for when they invest in things like like uh, shares or ETFs.
3: Do you think these new investors in particular are aware of the risks associated with entering this market?
2: I think there's still quite an education gap. Uh, That's why organisations like ASX, ASIC and others put a lot of time and effort into educational resources. But we are seeing um, particularly younger investors are taking quite risky bets in in areas like cryptocurrencies. What they really need to to, to learn more than anything else is just the the power or the um, importance of having a diversified portfolio.
3: Why then would you say that younger people are turning to the ASX as opposed to other investment forms?
2: Well, as we all know, Australians love property investing. We, we hear a lot about it. We talk a lot about it, but it's becoming harder and harder for people to get that first leg on the, on the property ladder. Even a deposit for a, an apartment in Sydney or Melbourne can be hundreds of thousands of dollars, so that t- can take quite a lot of time to accumulate that sort of savings. So people realise that the entry point into investing in the share market is so much lower. $500 is really all you need to start, and you can buy a diversified ETF for that amount of money and and not and really you know reduce a lot of your risk through going about investing in that fashion.
3: Andrew, financial advice has been a hot topic of late. What is the ASX's view on this?
2: Yeah, what the study shows is that only about 25 or 26% actually uh, have actually accessing um, uh, financial advice. But what, what we're also seeing is that the data shows that 34% actually want to have a, an advice relationship but just think that it's too too expensive and some of that is due to the, the, the regulations and the changes we've seen over the last few years, particularly in reaction to the to the Hayne Royal Commission. But there is I think moves to try and reduce the, the, the burden on advisors because there's, there's a real gap. People are only willing to pay on average about $1,200 a year to have a, a financial uh, advisor, but we know anecdotally from outside the study that the cost of providing that advice is three times that between three and a half and four thousand dollars so there's a there is a big gap between what people uh, are willing to pay for uh, for advice and how much it costs to provide that advice
3: and andrew what other key trends are you seeing in terms of where people want to be putting their money
2: Big Is a big trend. We now have 2 million uh, Australians that are investing in, in ETFs, and, and that's great because it's, they're a very simple product. It gives you a diversified portfolio in, in one trade. Uh, they're transparent, and it also gives you the opportunity to, accept, uh, to invest in overseas markets, the US, uh, Europe. Markets have traditionally been much harder for Australian retail investors to access.
3: And finally, Andrew, what kind of top-level advice would you offer people who might be looking to invest in the ASX longer term?
2: Well, I think the main thing is to have a, have a plan, have a, have an idea of what your risk appetite is, what your goal is, and what the time horizons are for, the, for that goal. Once you have those, those things formulated in your mind, the main thing is to try and build a diversified portfolio. And again, uh, products like e- ETFs are a great way of doing that in a very simple and cost-effective fashion.
1: Rana Bosch there, speaking with Andrew Campion of the ASX. Now, Market Day on the SBS on the Money podcast. The Australian share market rallied today, up 0.9% on the S&P ASX 200. That is a new two-month high. And that was thanks to energy, real estate and banking stocks. For more, I spoke with Mike Jenica, a portfolio manager at Credit Suisse. Mike, we've got an inflation problem. Interest rates are still rising. NAB today, the latest to say that it expects interest rates to peak at 4.6%. Yet the share market is at a seven-week high. Why is that?
0: Well, the share market rally has been driven by a combination of economic resilience so far this year and an ongoing confidence from investors that inflation has peaked and is in the process of of decline. So uh, that's the broad trend. Uh, Although interest rates are continuing to rise, um, it remains likely central banks are approaching peak policy rates. And I'm moving cautiously as well. And that was really illustrated by the Reserve Bank Minutes today where they described this month's rise as a, a versus a no-rise alternative as a finely balanced decision. So from our perspective, we've had um, incremental upward revisions to interest rate expectations, but they largely reflect resilience in the economy uh, and there's, therefore implies there is a stronger ability to absorb rate rises while maintaining that growth path and moderating inflation.
1: But right. still, um, we are seeing consumer discretionary companies seeing the impact of rising interest rates No, I mean, Best and Less today issued a profit warning, as sales drop. Is it a concern even when we see these companies which operate on a, on a value end of the market doing so poorly in terms of sales expectations?
0: Well, the growing pressure we're seeing in discretionary retail um, such as occurred with Best and Less um, is not really surprising to us. I mean, higher rates do transmit to interest rate-sensitive sectors first. And it really has been a question of time as to when the effects would be felt on the spending side. Um, Although there are budget-conscious retailers that continue to be supported by their customers, cost of living pressures for essential items and high mortgage repayments simply means that discretionary spending in many affected households needs to decline. Uh, The other uh, thing that we'd point out is that... um, uh, traditional retailers is on a pretty high base of spending when compared to pre-covid levels and we're still remaining in a phase where spending on goods is normalizing uh, while services spending in areas such as travel is still recovering so from our point of view um, the downgrades we're seeing uh, across the um, retail spending spectrum are likely to broaden
1: china Let's talk about it for a while, cutting uh, more key interest rates again today. Is this a good or a bad thing? I mean, doesn't it suggest its economic reopening hasn't been as strong as first thought as it came out of that protracted COVID um, lockdown? And what is the outlook for China now?
0: Well, the outlook um, from our perspective is that The economic recovery will continue, uh, but it is correct to say that uh, the rate of improvement in recent months has slowed down. Um, So unlike other economies, um, the Chinese household sector did not receive the same level of government support through the pandemic. Uh, They do have um, an elevated level of youth unemployment. Um, And these factors are also weighing on areas of property, for example, which was already struggling before last year's lockdowns. So where, where China is at is, is that inflation is pretty low. The, econ, the economic recovery can therefore be uh, stimulated by, by policy support and reinforced by that direction. So that's really what we're seeing. The, the authorities are acting to provide some interest rate cut support and there'll be other stimulus measures uh, to ensure that the recovery continues at the pace that's been targeted by the authorities.
1: And finally, where do you see the opportunities for investors at the moment?
0: Uh, our global view is that uh, amongst the major asset classes, uh, our preference is for fixed income. Um, yields are now at much more attractive levels than they were, and default risks remain pretty low. When we look at the uh, the, the equity side, uh, we're cautious uh, globally, particularly on the US share market. Uh, where the AI theme has led to a, a very narrow group of stocks performing strongly. Uh, and that does lead to some risks in regards to the durability of the rally. Um, but on the other hand, um, on, on Australian uh, shares, uh, our global view is actually positive. Um, and that's really re- reflecting the attractive dividend yields and reasonable valuation. Sectorally, we, we like resources, banks and general insurance. There you've got Uh, attractive dividend yields, reasonable valuation and less direct impact from higher rates and the economic slowdown. Mike
1: Jenica, there from Credit Suisse.
0: This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation.